Welcome to Mihinte on Air on 100.5 and 790 News Radio WSGW and online WSGW.com. Now, here is your host, Larry Rodarte. Good evening. Good evening, Mihinte, and thank you for being with me tonight here on Mihinte on Air. We are excited because we have some wonderful guests today that will bring you firsthand insight on what was happening in the devastation in Texas with the winter storms, as well as uh, the beautiful voice and sound of Roxanne Chantaka we have coming to the studios, in studio this time. But we have to start with Texas. You know, it's still reeling from a devastating winter storm, or storms, I should say, uh, in the frigid air, and for some, recovery could take months. And today I have a native of Michigan, Maximo Angiano, who is living in San Antonio, Texas, and brings us firsthand experience of the effects of the historic storm that left many without power and water. Maximo uh, Angiano is a multi-talented, dynamic young professional out in San Antonio. He has emerged as one of the most talented, versatile, and poised individuals of his generation, and as a critical intellectual voice on the intersection of cultural, social justice, and diversity-related issues. Maximo has been a credible, consistent champion of the Latinx community and beyond. So help me welcome to the show my brother, Maximo Angiano. Hello, Max. Hey, I appreciate it. Hey, I appreciate it, Larry. Thank you so much. And, you know, much respect to you and your work that you've been doing. You've been holding it down for a long time out there, you know, in your pocket, in your community. And that's what that's the work that we seek to do, man. And I'm so thankful that we could connect today and, you know, kind of vibe and coalesce and you know our families go back way back man so yeah, you know, yeah. I, much respect to you and, and, and love and, and and you know i'm happy to be here with you yes thank, thank you for being me here and and what max maximo is referring to is uh my father and uh, his his grandfather his grandfather actually brought my family the rodarte family from texas uh you know back in the 40s and um they uh, came to Breckenridge, Michigan, the first time in a dump truck. And um, Mr. Angiano, what was your grandfather's name? Jesus. Jesus. They called him Jesse, of course. Yes, <laughs> yeah. He was the one that was hired by the government to bring workers, uh, uh, migrant workers, to the area. So we go way back, our families. But today we're going to talk about something that was really surprising for many of us here in the Michigan area because, you know... <laughs> We we often are uh, here in Michigan cold and used to the cold and the snow. And sometimes uh, people who have moved down to Texas, they will say, and, it, and they say, oh, thank God I left that area or whatever. But all of a sudden, the tables turn and Texas is cold and is in the midst of a, a historic storm. What do you feel, Maximo, is the feeling right now in Texas after the storms and the effects from that storm? Well, there's a, I, listen, there's a mix of emotions. There's a mix of, and range of different things. So, so right now it's about 70 degrees in San Antonio. And, and I mean, we're, we're still in the midst of winter, you know, just about, I mean, I don't know what the temperature is like up there in Michigan, but you know, it's still pretty much winter, you know, it's not as hot as it is. And we could talk about the dichotomies of, of, of cold and heat because in San Antonio during the summers, it's very hot. I mean, it's 100 degrees. It's, it's hot, you know. So, mm-hmm. listen, last week they told us, and we, and we knew, you're looking at the forecast, that we're expecting record low temperatures, right, down to 9 degrees, somewhere maybe 18 degrees, you know, a high of 25. 
that's below freezing for San Antonio and temperatures we're not really used to. So one of the things I wanted to talk about is climate change. Look, this week to last week, it's 70 degrees. Today, last week it was nine. That's a heck of a change. So you mentioned the emotions. Listen, a lot of our people are just looking to get by, man. They got to go to work. They got to pay bills. They got to take care of the kids. They got to keep the lights on. And therefore, a lot of folks have forgotten about last week. Other folks are dealing with the damages and the devastation right. to their homes based on some of the damages that occurred last week. Broken pipes. There's people that have had their roofs cave in uh, from snow. You know, we had probably about, a, I would say, maybe a foot of snow at the maximum, at, the, at, the, at its height. But that's a lot of snow. And then you're dealing with ice, you know, on people's, um, you know, on the, on, the, on the streets and the roads and, um, you know, diff- different damages that occurred that way. But the, 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 the main issue were the pipes bursting um, and many people around Texas, all over, had had pipes had pipes bursting. So yeah, yeah. ceilings you know, caving in. They're dealing in. with that. The ceilings caving in. I seen yeah. so many videos on TikTok of people who were just devastated when their ceilings caved in. A lot of them just didn't know how to deal with broken pipes. Simple, something that's so Absolutely. simple here in Michigan, they had no clue on how to deal with it, and so. Are you seeing that, um, like, with the snow melting, because obviously if your temperatures are 70 degrees, all that snow had to melt, um, are you seeing that there's any flooding problems in the area or, you know, any other devastation from that snow melting? No. So the snow melted pretty much like a day after, it, you know, it just basically melted very quickly, but there was no, there was no uh, flooding either. It just dried up very quickly. There were some puddles here and there, but not at its height. And that's interesting you say that because San Antonio is very rocky and it does flood here very easily. You hear times often around Texas of people getting swept away from flooding, you know, and cars being swept away or falling into sinkholes that happen. I haven't seen any of that, but there's been a lot of other stuff. You know, there was a big fire. I don't know if you saw that one. There was a big fire that happened in an apartment complex in San Antonio. And I mean, it just completely burned up because I, something happened. I don't know if it was with the sprinkler system um, that was broken and couldn't put out a quick fire. And then boom, the whole building caught on fire. And it just, I mean, people were just been devastated by that. Yeah. So damage the homes, damage the apartments. Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been tough. And as you, as a Michi- Michigander, if you will, how, how long have you lived down there, uh, by the way? But as a Michigander, what is your thoughts in regards to how people reacted in San Antonio and throughout Texas? Yeah, listen, I've been here for about eight years, came from Michigan. Of course, my family's from here, so we, you know, we made trips down here every so often throughout my life. And it came down here about eight years ago. Um you know, the reaction and, 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 and how people reacted to this. I mean, for me, listen, you and I, and people, probably most people listen to this, if you're in Michigan, you know the cold weather when it comes, you've got to brace for it, right? So that means you're probably going to maybe alter your plans a little bit. If you know there's going to be snow, maybe you're going to say, okay, we're going to drive a little bit snow, a slower. Uh, and you just kind of, you know, make some quick changes. And that's how I planned to take this thing when it was coming. You looked at the forecast, you recognized it's going to be super cold. We just said, hey, no problem, we're going to stay inside. I think last Monday, when the, the, the really the low, de- the low temperatures were going to be coming, it was, quote, unquote, President's Day. So many people were off work. You didn't have to go to school. You didn't have to tune into any of that stuff virtually. You had a day off for most folks, you know, in some, in some respects. So that was like, okay, cool. Well, that night going into Monday, there was a, a, there's a board that controls the power 
um, sources, the, ele- the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, or ERCOT. And that night going into Monday, where the temperatures were going to be low, they pretty much announced that they were going to have rolling power outages. And so I could pretty much, listen, I, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I can tell you I can pretty much understand what that means. So I assumed that they were going to give us maybe four hours of power and then shut it off for an hour or something along those like five hours on, two hours off. So that would be enough to sustain yourself throughout the house and not make any, any major changes. And instead, what we got was about five minutes of power and 35 minutes off. And, and let me tell you, five minutes ain't enough to heat up your home if it's nine degrees outside, if it's 17 right. degrees outside. So slowly but surely, the temperature started to drop. Many people's homes were down to 40, 50 degrees during that time. And you can expect if they continue to go, depending on where your pipes are, the pipes will freeze over and they will burst if you did not prep and plan for that. The other thing is that most people from, from specifically in San Antonio, just not being familiar with all of this stuff, the low temperatures, the snow, that no power, which was the major element thrown into that equation that really threw people off. Many people panic. And I mean that with all due respect. It's just you're not used to it. You don't know how we're going to manage, when the power is going to come back on, what's going to happen next. So a lot of folks start going to the grocery store, buying the water, the toilet paper, the eggs, the milk. And therefore, the major grocery supplier here closed for the evenings. They said, we're only going to be open between noon and 5 p.m. So that also threw people for a loop like it was the end of the world. And for some folks, you know, it was. And again, I I say some of this stuff in jest, but people take this stuff seriously that, oh my gosh, if the grocery store is going to be closed, how are we going to eat and how are we going to heat up our homes? And, you know, many of our people, you talked about some of those casitas that had the the houses or the roofs cave in, you know, this is your livelihood. You can't go to work, right? If you miss a day at work, you might be fired. How are you going to heat up your home? How are you going to feed your children? How are you going to keep the lights on when, when the electricity grid is off? How are you going to heat up your home? I mean, this is, this is serious stuff. So it really threw many people, many people panic for yeah. a lack of better words. You know, we have, we have, as Hispanics here in the state of Michigan, we have, we have so many ties to Texas, to San Antonio and some of the other in the, in the valley or, or wherever. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I thought it was important to bring somebody from Texas who was experiencing this uh, firsthand. And I am old enough to remember the storm of 1976, the ice storm that hit Michigan, that hit Saginaw. And I remember um, the crackling of the, 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 the trees, the branches that were falling, and, and eventually some of the trees fell all in the area. I mean, it was like a war zone that was going on, and the after effects were, you know, no power, and freezing homes, and I had to be sent away to my aunt's house who had power. And my parents were really worried at that time. So I do kind of have an idea of what was happening down in Texas, but I at least was a Michigander and had grown up with some of the storms. You know, that it seems like we got bigger storms in the 60s and 70s in those early years of my life um, and than we do now. And for Texans to not have any inclination or experience of what that was because the only the only time I remember hearing about Texas getting snow is on rare occasions that maybe had less than an inch and they were all out there playing in the snow and excited sending us pictures but nothing to the of the devastation that we've seen in this last week and for me to hear that Uvalde Texas had snow you know that's where Mm -hmm. my grandfather was uh, born or, or was buried you know, that that was really amazing to me and that the snow stayed, you know, it wasn't like it just went away. It's actually stayed. And you've seen some people making uh, snowman 
or what have you. But then the, the temperatures rise, thank God, and it did go away. But the effects of what is happening in Texas now, I, I just can't believe that in the midst of going through a pandemic as well, in the backdrop That's of what I was all gonna this, say. It's, just, it's just nuts. This is really— That's what I was going to add. Yeah, this is really a, a winner of peril, and it's just amazing um, the the resilience that as Americans that we do have, and maybe some of them Texas, the, them Texans don't have um, that survival skills that we Michiganders have in regard to storms like that, but I think they got firsthand knowledge now and experience, and I think uh, using that firsthand. What else can you tell me about what happened last week in Texas? So, so I, yeah, so I was going to mention the, the pandemic as well, because we know that our people are being effect, affected disproportionately from the general public. You know, uh, that goes back to other health disparities that we've had, you know, in our histories, right? Diabetes, coronary heart disease, uh, obesity-related issues. Um, so we're, we're going through that as well. The, the other thing is that the water. So many, not only were many people's power out, you couldn't turn the lights on, but then other people lost their water. And again, there was no rhyme or reason how it happened. If you and I live on the same street and we live next door to each other, your power might have been on, but my power wasn't for some reason, right? Just based on how the grid is set up. So therefore, you might, someone across the street from us, they might have lost their power, but they didn't lose their water. Us on the other side of the street, we lost our water, but we didn't lose the power, so on and so forth, vice versa, et cetera. Um, and so now there are still people here in San Antonio, for the most part, that have had their power restored came back on, but now perhaps they're still dealing with water issues. So a lot of people, and again, I like to think that we're living in a new era of accountability where somebody's going to be held responsible for this, and we've got to do something. We've got to get this fixed. We've got to get it resolved, and we've got to figure out how to not let this happen again. Right now, there is there are several water giveaway stations in San Antonio. So you and I could drive up to a water station in San Antonio right now, there's probably about 10 or 15 one of them spread around town where I could pick up a, like a 30-case or a 32-case pack of water so I can get through because we're having water issues. Some people don't have you know clean water or some people don't have water at all. So that's, that's the other main thing. The other thing is what I mentioned with ERCOT, you know, the um, Electric Reliability Council of Texas. There's, reason, you know, there's lawsuits being filed all over the place now for people to hold, be held accountable there's several people of those. There's four ERCOT members that, that are on that board who don't even live in the state of Texas, which goes to tell you another thing. They're, they're resigning now in the aftermath of all the power outages because they recognize, hey, we were never down there from the beginning. Maybe we didn't care, you know, in the first part that much either. And we were here for other reasons, political or, or clout reasons. And therefore, we're just going to resign because we don't want anything to do with the failures of it now. So, so many people are many people are saying, hey, how do we come together to ensure this doesn't happen again? Listen, somewhere between 18, and I don't know the specific numbers, somewhere between 18 and 40 people died throughout Texas because of this. And, and then you got other people coming out to say, well, we don't know how they died. You know, we weren't there. We, the, the, the coroner didn't do an exam yet. So on. listen, anytime people die, it is, a, it is a shame. And we shouldn't be looking for reasons to get, let ourselves off the hook for this thing. It was an incredible, drastic failure. It was a tragedy. And we can't allow it to happen again. As you know, Texas has its own power grid. Right. So it just not was it was not winterized because people didn't want to spend the extra money. And with climate change up and down as it is, we've got to somebody's got to be held you know accountable and say, look, we're going to winterize this so it doesn't happen again. Tell you people people were in rough shape and people are still in rough shape based on the aftermath of this all. It's really sad. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, and I when you talk about accountability, hitting the news, of course, was Ted Cruz uh, in what, his uh, trip down to Cancun, but also there was Beto O'Rourke and uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who was raising money for Texas. What can you tell me a little bit about that as, as when you talk about accountability? Yeah. So listen, there were so many mutual aid, grassroots, boots and moccasins on the ground organizations and individuals that really bossed up and said, let's start raising money. Man, there was, you know how it is, right? These people, young folks, man, folks with, with access to only a cell phone were saying, look, we're going to start, you know, get our Venmo, get our cash app out there and have people start donating. So we were, people were getting donations, right? Whether you were in Texas or outside of Texas, people were donating to these, these small grassroots organizations or individuals and said, look, me and you are going to start raising money and we're going to give this money to individuals that have been affected from the, from, from the, the power outage. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had your pipes burst, you know, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give you $500. We're going to give you $1,000. We're going to give you $250, whatever it may be. And we're very proud of them. There's several of those grassroots mutual aid organizations, as well as people from outside, from at the broader, because it isn't just the politicians, right? I think politics and government is one aspect of how we come together to fix things and help people do for themselves what they can't do on their own. But it's everyone. Now, we did have people from outside of Texas, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Bethel work from, from El Paso, get together and say, look, we're going to raise money. We're going to do things. Ted Cruz leaving Texas, I mean, you can't expect anything different from the guy, really. <laughs> Listen, Texas is so divided when it comes to politics and voting. Um, you know, many people don't take the guy seriously. I was out in North Carolina a few years ago, and, and, and someone jokingly, he happened to be a Cuban, Cuban-American individual out there. He says, well, what do you think about this guy, Ted Cruz? And I said, are you serious? <laughs> you know, do you really want me to tell you? You know, but he's, listen, there's so much of this old money, old era of, 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 of politics and way of life down here in Texas, and people are going to vote for, you know, Republicans, no matter who they are and what they stand for. It's this, it's this era or ideology of freedom and liberty, and Texas is this maverick, lone star state, and we're going to vote for these people because they mostly align with us. And it doesn't help we only have two options for the most part anyway when we're elected folks. But um, Ted Cruz isn't taken very seriously from a lot of people. And, you know, it was very close. He got reelected, you know, from um, when, he fought, when Beto O'Rourke, um, you know, got out there and faced off for him. And, and again, you know, politics is like that. It's divided. It's complicated. Uh, it's not, it, there's a lot of gray area. If we're talking about the Hispanic or the Latino community, we've got a lot of Latinos down here that, that love Ted Cruz, just the same, yeah. you know, and they're going to go out to, they're going to go to bat for him and say, well, why can't he go to Cancun? You know what I'm saying? Wow. And make excuses while, while for him while and so on and so forth. Yeah. While their families are suffering or their, you know, their in-laws or their neighbors. Yeah. And Ted Cruz is headed off to Texas. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and, you know, the resilient spirit of the American people that's what I had mentioned earlier, and I think that's what I see with a lot of young people today. You know, they, they're utilizing their phones, their cell phones, and, and they move. They move forward to make things happen. I think that's kind of a difference in the generations from before. Not not that I'm knocking the older generations, but with the ability that they have today and the knowledge and having the savvy to get on their phones and make things happen, I think that's a real plus, and that's where the American spirit, I think, is going to come and rise above all what we have gone through. And I mean, since March of 2020, you know, I I think back before that time and how, you know, we just kind of went along the way and, you know, made things happen here, there, whatever. And we were just used to life as it was. And then all of a sudden this pandemic comes 
into play. And it's in the backdrop of everything else that we're dealing with from racial tensions to the, the this crazy election to the, the political divide to the re- insurrection on January 6th. And then Texas gets this big, huge storm that has never seen the likes in, in past. And so, I mean, it's really a historical time. And that's what our, our show was on last week about it being a historical time for journalists because it's every day that we're getting uh, breaking news Whereas before it wasn't this way, and you tell yeah. me, Maximal, what what are, what are you doing today now down in uh, Texas uh, with your career and all? Yeah, so I'm doing a little bit of a little bit of a lot, like like us all. And I, again, I appreciate your time today, and yeah, I think you're hitting it all right on the head. I'm glad you're providing the service because we need more of our own people out there, community members that we trust and that we have those relationships with to deliver these products and these services to our own people at right? media. Uh, created by us for us and for everyone. I really also appreciate and respect how you're talking about us as Americans because, you know, many people would say, well, we're not Americans or we're divided or we're Mexicans or we're Latinos or whatever, but we are just, we are, you listen, Latinos are vastly loyal to this country and we're just as much as American as everyone else. And think, you know, we've mastered that concept of duality and having our own culture and celebrating the broader culture. But, um, you know, the other thing, listen, where I'm spending a lot of my time at right now, personally, is I'm doing some work with a nonprofit organization here in San Antonio that advocates for indigenous people's issues. And part of the reason that I'm drawn to that is because we as Latinos, we're indigenous as well. You know, Latinos, we're all of that. You know, we are European, we are native, we are indigenous here to the Americas. We're also African and we have to broaden up that. And, you know, many Latinos, uh, we have forgotten about our indigenous side or we've participated in an anti-blackness of some sorts, right? And, and um, that's unhealthy, you know? So I've been doing a lot of work with, you know, American Indians in Texas at the Spanish colonial missions. Uh, they were founded some, you know, 45, 50 years ago to advocate for some, some other wrongs that were done here. And they're, the broadest base that we are, that we represent, uh, the tribe is the Top Pilam Qualtecan Nation. And as of today, much of our work, you know, for me personally, has to do with civic engagement, communication, as well as the, a black and brown men's initiative. And, and, and again, today, our biggest task is to get Deb Holland, representative uh, congresswoman out of New Mexico, confirmed as the head of, for the secretary of the Department of Interior. This would be the first time in our history, this country's vast history, that we've ever had a native woman um, re- uh, preside over the Department of Interior that has to do with land uh, and indigenous people's issues, with has to do with um, the water and air and all of that stuff. So that is the number one thing that we're trying to get done today. We think she'll get confirmed, but she's also a threat to other, to, you know, big oil and big, big gas, that industry. Um, but again, we're living in an era of change and accountability and we have to manifest the, the future that we want. So yes, yes. If, you're, if you're out there and you're listening, call your senators and have them Confirm Deb Holland for Secretary of Interior. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Maximo. Uh, you know, I'm in your corner. I'm rooting for you from Michigan all the way. What, what you're doing in Texas, I, I watch you on Facebook, and I think you're doing incredible work. So thank you for your firsthand knowledge reporting from Texas, as well as, uh, you know, staying warm and safe. We're hunting on that. Yeah. We want to make sure that you can uh, be safe so that we can see another day and promote positive things for our people so we'll be right back we want to say thank you again Maximo Angiano thank you for being on Mi Gente on Air this is Mi Gente on Air on WSGW 
mira nomás, que es esa cosita, yo no sé. You're listening to Mi Gente On Air on WSGW. Welcome back. Welcome back, Mi Gente. Thank you for being with us this evening. During this winter of peril, as President Biden has said in his inaugural address, these times that we are living in, there is a voice locally here in Saginaw that brings us comfort in the Great Lakes Bay region. A cultural voice of Spanish boleros y rancheras, And I recently watched how Roxanne Chantaka stood at Mount Olivet Cemetery next to a tree in the background with a a microphone in hand, wearing her sarape and a rebozo in the winter cold of February, belting out a beautiful Mexican standard in memory of Mary Lou Serrato, who had passed from COVID-19. And this was at Mary Lou's funeral. You know, and it really touched my heart, as she does for so many occasions, whether it's a happy occasion or whether it's a sad occasion. And she also sang at my father's funeral in September. So I thought, what a, what a great show that would be if we had Roxanne Chintaka, the gem of Saginaw, as I've called her in the past. And we welcome her to the uh, WSGW studios. So today we have a very special guest, and she's here with us in the studio. My first guest that's actually in the studio. So thank you for being with us today, Roxanne. Sure. Thank you, Larry. Thank you for having me here today. Thank you for being here. It's it's such a, a pleasure for me to see you here. I know you're so busy as an educator at Arthur Hill. And I, I know as a bug trying, you know, and trying to get you here and uh, on, on a timely basis, but um, we can accommodate anything that you do. You know how they said anything for Salinas? Well, <laughs> we could say anything for Roxanne, oh, <laughs> right? <yes. laughs> but you know, you you've been singing such a long time, and I I have to ask you, what inspires you week after week to sing? I I know you get the invitations from our people, and uh, but to sing weekly like you do, and I've seen you on different occasions, especially in these times that we are living in. What what inspires you today, Roxanne? Um, well, again, thank you again for having me here. It, it has been a crazy, crazy time over this last year, um, really unprecedented times. And I'm just honored, if someone asks, I'm honored to be there to do that. Um, and actually, music has been a calming, a peace for me during these crazy times. It's it's my escape. Yes, yes, yeah. I can <laughs> I can understand that. And I think that, like in in with my family situation with my father, you were that calming voice for us. Oh, thank you. You know, out there at the cemetery. And unfortunately, you know, there, there's been so many times that you have had to been asked in the last couple of months. I mean, we've really gone through a hard time, our our community, and we've lost so many. Um, but I, I want the listeners to know your musical background, those that may not know, because as you know, this show, even though it's targeted for Hispanics, um, there's a, an awareness that we need to bring with this show to the non-Hispanics. And so those in my listening audience that may not know of Roxanne Chantaka, she is like the wedding singer <laughs> for so many years. And I wanted to ask you, where does your musical background come from and where did that journey begin for you? 
Um, well, as far back as I can remember, um, my dad's a, a musician and has been a musician for, we were talking about it the other day, over 55 years in all different styles, genres of music. And so music has been around as far back as I can remember. And, you know, even just singing with him being two, three years old. Now, your dad was David Chantaka, mm-hmm. who is still performing yes. with Frank Medell and yourself. In the uh, name of the group? It's Roxani Los Compadres. Yes, and uh, David Chintaka has such a history, and, and we're going to have to do a show with them as well in the future, but David Chintaka started out way back in the 60s during the era mm-hmm. of uh, Question Mark and the Mysterians, mm-hmm. and he was Sir David and the Knights. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and he was making the rounds as well with uh, Johnny Estrada, I think, and uh, my cousin Johnny Orozco. Yes. And yeah. they have such a history, too, that we need to really tap into and, and, and bring them on a show. But today we're here with Roxanne Chintaka. She is like the Saginaw Selena. And, I, and I've said that before wow. because we gave her um, the Adelante Culture Award 10 years ago. Can you believe it's been 10 years? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> 10 years ago when we started the Adelante Awards here in Saginaw from the Union Civica Mexicana. Roxanne was one of our first cultural recipients, and um, she has really been that voice that started out at the ethnic festivals in downtown Saginaw. I remember that performance, seeing you, the pictures. Uh, and you your have dad, any video from that? <laughs> yes, I wish. I wish, right? If anybody has any video, because I, re- I know my mom said Somebody. somewhat, there were people recording on those old school, big 25 pound cameras, you know, and. And how old were you then? I was about seven or eight years old. Wow, seven or eight. And and tell me the story because you said you didn't want to sing. You didn't want to go up there. No, no. That was um, a picture I put on Facebook actually. Didn't want to do that. Um, It was my first time singing in Spanish in front of a lot of people like that. And and, you know, I had the little Mexican dress on and my hair and the braids, little trencitas. And, <laughs> the and uh, yeah, I remember my mom and doing that. And I was like, I, I don't want to do this. I'm not going out there. My mom said, yes, you are. And I'm like, and my dad and, and Domingo Vasquez were um, accompanying me and singing with me. They were my, I always tease them, say they were, they were my background singers. <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, that was really. My mom made me do that. Yeah, that was really a, a memorable time, and uh, those ethnic festivals were really great. In in I, I remember yes. them vividly. Yes. You know, unfortunately, you have been asked to sing at several funerals as of late, and mm-hmm. yet your voice, you know, like I said, has been that calming voice, and it's so comforting to the <laughs> listeners and to the families of those who have lost someone and have asked you to sing at their relative's funeral. How has that changed you or your preparation and performances? Wow, good question. Because um, honestly, since sept- since September, I was counting. I I've done twelve, and I was looking and you know take them, take them seriously, and and I I I do put my time and effort into preparing for those because I want to do. Uh, my absolute best that I can to honor the memory of the special person. And um, lots of times families will say, I want you to do this song, or can you sing this song? And if it's a song I don't know, I will do my best to learn it quickly because I know it's something special. And so um, it was really, really nice. A couple weeks ago, someone came up to me at a funeral and said, 
I just, you know, I want to tell you that you, when you sing, you bless a lot of families and you give them that peace during this difficult, difficult time. And so that was just an amazing compliment. And I thank her for saying that to me because, you know, I'm human. It's emotional, but I'm also, I'm there to deliver a song and deliver the message of the song and do the best possible that I can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I said, unfortunately, be- mm-hmm. and I'm saying, unfortunately, because, you know, the backdrop of that is that we've lost someone. Yes. But, you know, is there any time in the, say, since March that there's been happy occasions that you have sang? Um, since last March? Well, I think Carmen, when Carmen turned 100, Carmen Lopez turned 100 years yes. old. Yep. Yep. We, we've done um, some singing, serenading from the lawns for people. And that came about with um, brainstorming with uh, Frank Medell Jr., who does a lot of our uh, booking of gigs and things like that. But we, we said, what can we do? So Mother's Day, we did. We, we said, let's do some um, serenades from the driveway, mm-hmm. from the front lawn. And that Mother's Day turned into three days of nonstop performing all around Saginaw and just... Um, bringing joy to people. And it was a nice gift to give for people to give their moms, their grandmas, their aunts. And, yes. and it was beautiful. And so that and Hispanic Heritage Month, we did do some outdoor things for that. Yes, yes. And I remember you singing uh, uh, for B. Fertois, uh Jim Heine's yes, mother, yeah. for mm-hmm. her, what was her, her 90th birthday as well. And uh, Hermoso Cariño. I mean, that just, yes. that just touched my heart. And when I watched that video of you at the Mount Olivet Cemetery that I think Frank Medell had posted. And something just really touched my heart because, yes, you were singing there um, and comforting the Serrato family, you know, with the passing of Mary Lou from COVID. Yet I felt that you were singing to the world, and it was a, a voice that gave us such comfort in these peril, these, like I said in the beginning of the show, the winter of peril that mm-hmm. President Biden had talked about because, you know, every week we come on here and we talk about the COVID-19 virus and the vaccines or what have you because it's such a big part of our lives today. And, and that's just yes. in the backdrop of so many other, uh, whether it's political or racial issues that are affecting us on a day-to-day basis. And I just feel that that, that when I watched that, I was so touched because here you were standing all alone out there in this cemetery. You were in the backdrop of, of what was going on there at her uh, burial spot. But you were there and you were singing from your heart. And I think it was more than just singing uh, for Mary Lou, even though that's the reason you were there. You were singing to the world. And I really want to encourage everybody to watch that video if you get a chance because it is so touching and it is Thank so you. beautiful. And you were singing uh, with a tape that Frank was providing. But I wanted to ask you, Roxanne, could you sing us a little bit of that song today here in the studio? Sure, I'd be happy to. Yeah, I'll I think share, I share think, a little bit of that. I think this is such a treat for our listeners. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Miss Roxanne Chintaka. Yo te extrañaré. Tenlo por seguro. Fueron tantos bellos. Y malos momentos que vivimos juntos. Los detalles, las pequeñas cosas, 
lo que parecía no importante son los que más invade mi mente al recordarte. Ojalá pudiera devolver el tiempo para verte de nuevo, para darte un abrazo y nunca soltarte. Más comprendo que llegó tu tiempo, que Dios te ha llamado para estar a su lado. Así él lo quiso. Ah, just one of the most touching songs I've I've ever learned, yes. I think. <laughs> yes, thank you. I, I'm even emotional here in the studio because <laughs> it just it just speaks to our hearts as as a people as a community and can you translate what those words mean? Sure. Um, yo te extrañaré as I will miss you and it just speaks of the beautiful memories that um, you had together with someone and how if you just wish you could have that one more moment, just one more hug, one more, um, just that time together. I just want to thank you so much for that because I think our listeners are going to be touched as well when they hear that. You know, as a Latina here in Saginaw, you are almost single-handedly representing our, our heritage, our culture, in, in every performance that you give. And I, I know there's other uh, singers like Raquel Ledesma, uh, mm-hmm. and I know the late Gloria Munoz was always there for us mm-hmm. in in accompanying and as well as singing at many cultural and church events. But what goes through your mind today when you think about us, Saginaw, uh, the culture and the heritage that we represent? Wow, way to put the pressure on me. But <laughs> no, I, that's something I don't take lightly. Performing, um, putting on uh, the traditional dress, performing a song in Spanish um, is something I take very seriously, even if it's for something fun. But I want to make sure I'm doing it right. I, I do it justice. I'm very proud of it. I'm very proud of my culture, my heritage, the language, the music. And, um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, I love performing to diverse audiences because there's so many times where people will come up and say, I don't know what you sang, but I liked it. Or I don't know what you sang, but that's beautiful. Yes. So the the being able to get the message across through music doesn't even have to do with language. It's just music is a universal language. And, and um, I, I just, I'm just really blessed to be able to do it and still, still be out there and, and sing and share this with, and, and for and for over what thirty years? Ooh, a long time. Yeah, and and, yeah. and on top of that, you know, she represents us in the educational field as an educator uh, at Arthur Hill High School, and so yes. you're able to probably share a lot of that culture and heritage with your students. That's the best part. Yes, and I get to teach um, Spanish, and I also teach choir. So you throughout. The years, you know, my students in choir have always sung in Spanish or in many different languages, but of course Spanish. And and then um, I love being able to teach about the culture and the music with my Spanish students. A little different this year, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah because every year, <laughs> Roxanne, we could always count on her and her students to... Oh, they're missing uh, that. Yeah, to be in the Cinco de Mayo parade mm-hmm. and be involved in the festivities. Yes. And I mean, that's just such a gem, again, in the in the, the culture scheme of Saginaw. And yet, because of COVID-19, we had to uh, eliminate that last year. And it looks like we're going to have to cancel this year as well because mm. we're just so close. I know. Now, from uh, May 5th, around right. that time, and right. I don't think we... Uh, are ready yet, even though we are being vaccinated more and more so. I think mm-hmm. we still have to uh, relinquish from uh, participating in an actual parade. You know, I knew both your grandparents. Um, I knew I knew your Chantaka grandparents as well as your grandmother on the Mosqueda side. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think about what would they say today? Grandma Chantaka. I used to go to her house as a little boy and walk from <laughs> Aunt Della's house over from Hosmer over oh. to Ainsley. And, you know, Grandma Chantaka or Grandma Mosqueda on 12th Street. Mm-hmm. I mean, That's these right. were pillars, uh, matriarchs, and we love them so much. And what do you think they would say or feel about you and what you're doing today with your singing and your culture and heritage? Mm-hmm. Well, Hope to make them very proud. <laughs> you are. There's, I do think about them when I'm singing sometimes because there's some songs where I'm like, oh, you know, I, or, or I would hear um, Auntie would say, oh, that was Grandma Chintaka's favorite song or that was one of her songs or that song. You know, you hear someone say, oh, that song reminds me of that's the best part. But, yeah, I hope I make them proud and, and, and just learned a lot from my, my grandma, my mom's mom, Grandma Mosqueda. I really feel had a, a huge influence in my upbringing. Yes, so. yes. You know, and, you know. I, I, th- I don't know. I, I've got a weird mind sometimes, but I, I think about the, you know, them crossing the border from Mexico, you know, and their families and whatever hardships or uh, how easy they came over or whatever. And you know, the, they they did it for a better life. You know, they did it so that their children and their children's children would have a better life and Mm -hmm. i don't know if they ever thought uh wow you know i'm gonna have a granddaughter that is gonna sing and she's gonna sing about the songs from mexico lindo and uh, just be so so out there with the culture and heritage like i've said and i know that probably today they're looking over your shoulder and they're with you at every performance that's true yeah and just you know and and that's what that's what i thought about when i saw you with that red reboso out there you know, mm-hmm. in that performance. And well, I was yeah. just like, wow. Grandma. I carry them right there. Yes, yeah. yes. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. So that yeah. that's really a beautiful thing. And I think most of my listening audience out there, that uh, the Hispanics out there, they they know exactly what I'm talking about. And, yeah. they, and they had their grandparents um, that came over from Mexico as well and um, are watching over them as well. Yeah. It's that connection. That's what the music does, too. The, the music is that connection to them, the connection yes. to my ancestors and, and hopefully passing that on to my younger family. Yes, Mm -hmm. definitely. And um, I think your dad, uh, as well as Frank Medell Sr., has done that as well with uh, Los Compadres, with you. And I I know we always... we feel that, especially when your dad is belting out one of those big rancheras. <laughs> you know, I mean, he just he really puts it out there with that voice so strong. And of course, with Frank, with his playing the guitar. So thank you all for so much of that. And I, I want to ask you lastly, you know, about, you know, this show is targeting Hispanics, like I have said. And it's also here to bring awareness, you know, awareness to the greater community. Whoever our listening audience is, is tuned in. What would you like non-Hispanics to know about Roxanne Chantaka and her music? 
um, that I'm a very, a very proud product of Saginaw Public Schools. I'm proud to live in the city of Saginaw. This is my, my town, my hometown, and um, know many, many people. Many people have played an important part throughout my musical um, journey. I've had some amazing teachers all throughout Saginaw, and I didn't get into this style of music until I was in my early 20s. So, it, again, music is just such a universal language, and, and I thank everybody who ha- play, played a part in that and thank everybody in the Saginaw community who's always been so supportive of of what I'm doing. They might not understand what I'm singing, but they know that's my thing. Oh, she's, uh, you know, uh, mariachi singer, um, songs in Spanish, and just always have gotten so much love from from Saginaw. Did did you have um, like an epiphany or something? Because you know, you mentioned right there that you started singing the the Spanish songs when you were in your twenties. Mm-hmm. So from when you were seven to twenty, you weren't singing the Spanish songs. And, and what no. what made you say, "Oh, you know what? I'm going <laughs> to sing Spanish songs now." Because I sang, you know, what everybody a teenager wants to sing, and you have fun. You were but... singing Donna Summer, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was doing that, and um, and I was studying. I, I studied classically, so German, Italian, wow. French, you know, um, Latin, and of course Spanish, but in that classical sense. And and it was my dad taking me to see Linda Ronstadt on her Canciones de mi Padre tour, oh, yeah. and she was singing uh, these songs dedicated to her father. And I'm sitting there with my dad, and uh, and you could just feel it was just beautiful, big Mexican production. We went to Chicago to see it, and I said, "Dad, I can do that. I want to do that." And I had never done that. That's when he introduced me to Sisto Orozco, oh, and I yeah. had seen, grown up, seen Rene Flores yes. singing throughout the community, and these men um, were just amazing role models to me. And so, you know, I. I they're legends here with, with this style of music that I've gotten uh, the opportunity to perform for many years. So yes. I thank them also. And, and the incomparable Linda Ronstadt. Mm-hmm. I mean, what she did. I mean, so many people even today didn't even realize that she was Mexicana. Right. You know, that right. she, and that was really her heart was to sing those songs of her father, Casionos de Mi Padre. So, I mean, that is just such a beautiful uh, segue, a beautiful segue into, is there is there anything else that you can sing a cappella for us as we close out our show? Oh, a little bit of it. A little bit of something oh, that uh, can touch our hearts again. Uh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, again, I give you the great, incomparable Roxanne Chintaka. All right, just a little bit of this, because I know you like this song. <laughs> Hermoso cariño Hermoso cariño que Dios ha mandado a ser destinado no más para mí. Precioso regalo, precioso regalo del cielo ha llegado y quien me ha colmado de dicha de amor. Wow, mira nomás. A little bit of hermoso cariño. Oh <laughs> Let me collect myself here. <laughs> I'm emotional when I, when I hear you sing that song. I mean, it just, woo. <laughs> Tell us what that song meant. Oh, just hermoso cariño, the beautiful, just beautiful gift um, from God that's destined for me. And just precious gift, beautiful gift. 
sent to me. Roxanne, you are truly a gem in our community, and I, I just want to thank that. you for being thank out you. here, for being that voice so much so. And here we are. We're sitting here with both of us, tears in our eyes. But it's like, you know, we've gone through so much as a, as, as a people, as, as a community with everything that's been happening since 2020 with this COVID-19 virus. And we have to continue because the, the, the people of our community of Saginaw are so resilient. Yes. And we are. have to we continue. Are. Adelante, we got to move forward as we battle this COVID-19 virus. So I want to thank my guest today, Roxanne Chantaka, here in the studios, as well as Maximo Anguiano, who called in from San Antonio, Texas, for being with us and for being those beacon of hope that light the shining lights as we continue to live in a memorable winter of peril. So stay safe, everyone. See you yes, next week stay safe. on Mi Gente On Air.